It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Baseball angels, can you please come this way? Cause I need you down here now It's almost time to play Well, we're almost getting there, right? We're almost getting to this season Somehow, we'll, we'll get there, I, I believe I'm starting to believe more and more uh, Some good news here on Alex Garrett Podcasting While I'm on the topic of baseball, there's a reason Before we get to our uh, first guest of the weekend And this inaugural abilities hour we'll get to that as well uh, as we go along but Masahiro Tanaka there is progress on the Yankees ace who got drilled I mean drilled in uh, batting practice last week by Giancarlo Stanton on July the 4th he is responding well participating in a light workout Uh, this according to Bleacher Report and uh, tweeted out by Max Goodman and Boone, Aaron Boone saying he's been able to play catch a couple times now. But I was poking through my memories, as I sometimes do on Facebook. And this one, this one stood out today. Because if you remember, I mean, if you remember, this voice rang through all of Yankee Stadium. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Yankee Stadium. That is the voice of Bob Shepard, who actually, at age 99, passed away 10 years ago today. I'm excited to say his name, though. He lived an amazing life. He's lived, he lived a long life. And do you know when he would have turned 100? Bob Shepard would have turned 100... On October 20th, 2010. Yes, Bob Shepard and I sharing the same birthday isn't a connection enough, right? That's not a connection to have the birthday of a legendary public address announcer. But to actually know him through the years, to actually be in his public address booth, certainly part of the story, part of the journey. And then, above all that, I mean, above all that, to then be given for years on end at Queens College a real opportunity to announce the game of baseball. 
Leading off the bottom of the first for the Knights, the center fielder, number nine, Thomas Parrish. I mean, Rob Twible and, and Michael Sporton and the athletics department gave me the shot to do baseball, softball, and that continued and continues, by the way. If there was baseball this year, I might have been back out there with Chris Reardon and the crew. But to not only be born on the same day as Bob Shepard, but to feel like God has spread his energy as a public address announcer into this life is very incredible. It's very intriguing. It's, you can't describe it. There's, there's so many ways you can describe it. And so today I truly hope that I have represented. And you can never be Bob Shepard. But it's just amazing. Two guys from New York, both baseball lovers, both announcing the game in one way or another. Jimmy Rose, we would have had the Stan Musial Long Island Baseball, Long Island Stan Musial All-Star Game weekend this weekend if we didn't have COVID. Those long-standing traditions matter. And that's why honoring Bob Shepard matters to me. His story is so special. And even at St. John's, they have the Bob Shepard public address box. I, I kid you not. And so tonight, thank you, God. Thank you, Bob Shepard, in your own ways for seemingly bringing that energy into this life. And now I've been able to, for now, 10 years carry that energy the best I can and you know he was beyond just public public address announcer he was a speech high school teacher in New York City he was an avid reader in Baldwin New York at his local church every Sunday and that he loved the language and it showed by teaching the youth, and by being up there to read the Gospels. What a life. And I just pray tonight that I, I am channeling that energy of 10-20, October 20th. Also, my Uncle Dennis born on that day. Mickey Mantle born on that day, by the way. Such a great day, October 20th. And so to be in that company, and then to be able to do something, and have that energy that was filling Yankee Stadium. I hope fill this microphone and fill your feeds every day on this podcast. I'm very blessed. And therefore, I feel like I was given that ability. Which leads me to say, welcome in to the Abilities Hour. This hour will be focused on people who have overcome, who have abilities within the disabled community, sure, that are seen and unseen. And I find this very timely, considering this is the 30th year of the Americans with Disabilities Act. It's very fitting that my stepdad, Vic Furman, would say, why don't you do this podcast? And now my motivation is to do it. And to kick off this podcast with Megan McNeely, which I'll get to in one minute, I want to read you what I wrote yesterday, because I was on a di diatribe on my personal Facebook page. But let me tell you what I wrote right here, right now. Last night, I was on a run of different things and saying certain things. And anyway, 
I encourage the disabled community to continue advocating for yourselves and for the best things for yourselves and for the best things for this community that continues to grow and be noticed. Also, continue to live the best life you can. And of course, never let anyone say to you that you can't believe something or that you can't do something because you truly can believe and do what you want to and feel empowered to do so. That's why America is amazing. Our numbers here in New York City and the world, in the United States, I should say, 20% of the disabled community is hired. We can get that number up, and we will, but our presence is growing. And Disabilities Month, thank God for those abilities to be hired, abilities to grow in our respective fields. And uh, someone who definitely has ability, someone who definitely has overcome, someone who had a pep in her step at the National Publicity Summit, Megan McNeely. My goodness, it's it's about time we got you on. I'm so glad you're on with me tonight. Alex, thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. I can keep it real. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Well, and let's talk about that. So when I first met you, you were, um, you know, you were like, you were very hyper about the book. You were very pep in your step you were very excited and now i gain an appreciation of how you got to that point because let's break it down you had rheumatoid arthritis um you've had severe pain in the past and you overcame it so let's start there what's your journey and why did you want to write your book reinvent the wheel Alex, it's a great question. I actually was striving in my career and I was gathering award after award and seven years into the, my career where I was considered an early, they call it an early success story. I was traveling all over the United States, sharing my journey with some fellow colleagues. I work for a very large um, wealth management firm and I still do. This is my 22nd year there. So I'm a corporate Sure, I have a corporate cool. job in addition to this passion, we'll call it a passion project. Um, I started to break down behind the scenes. So to your point, there's a lot of us who look great on the outside. I mean, um, and behind the scenes are struggling in some way. Right. And for sure, that was my case. I was breaking down behind the scenes to the point of, I was first diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. A few years later, I was diagnosed with chronic kidney disease, which was stage Mm. three. And then I had kidney cancer. And to say that my health struggles caught my attention is an absolute understatement. From the first disease, I realized, um, I use this phrase, you can't catch a falling knife. You know, when you get into a bad health pattern, Sometimes it cascades into worsening situation Mm. until you can get control of it. And I was bound and determined to turn around my health. So from the start of my journey, which was in 2004, I was disease free in 2016. And so it took, it took 12 years and that, that, that whole journey uh, is so moving. Um, Catch a falling knife is part of it, but I want to start here because I think this is what really drove you. Uh, It's easy to say we're positive, we're positive, but you've really written out five different ways to be positive. And I think you sort of, in my mind said, well, there's an art to positivity. So let's start there. How did you build your art and build and use that brush of, uh, of great energy 
to make yourself positive and say, yes, I will get through all of that. I really believed that my struggles were there to serve me. I'm, I really felt from the very beginning that it wasn't something that would define me. Mm. So how do I explain that? I felt like it wasn't me. I, I felt like the disease, even when the doctor told me I had cancer, I remember saying to him, you're wrong. Wow. Like it felt so surreal, Alex. It felt like it wasn't me he was speaking about. I told him, you are wrong. Even when I went in for the kidney biopsy, I remember saying very cavalierly to my friend, Kian, who was there in the room with me, um, wait till they find out it's benign. Like mm. I really, in my heart, believed that cancer wasn't me, that rheumatoid arthritis wasn't me, that these definitions, um, it was just something that was there to teach me. And as soon as I figured it out, I could transcend it. Mm. Megan, I love so, this. And, that's and how I, I thought of it. Because, and, and then now I've got to ask you this. You, you go through this pain for 12 years. Oh, yeah. Uh, I never felt the pain of having one leg ever. Like, it was just part of me. But I do feel the pain of, like, if I get sick or something like that. And I'm actually thanking God to feel the pain because it makes you know what you're going through. And it tells you, hey, we could avoid this in the future. We're going through it now to avoid in the future. Did you feel that at all? Did you feel like, thank God I'm going through this now to avoid it in the future? I, I would call that heightened awareness. Mm. So it sounds to me like when you're saying that, what comes to mind is heightened awareness. So you're aware, you're alert, you're saying, this is my, this is what is. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is a gift. It's saying, I accept what's happening to me. Mm -hmm. yep. And I'm not, I'm not buttering it up. I mean, I am certainly, I used to be a very rose colored glasses person. I had mm -hmm. a therapist say to me once, why is it that you feel like you have to be Miss Cheerful? Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, am I Miss Cheerful? <laughs> and, and, and I sort of backed away on the drive home from that conversation thinking, I've, I've been taught that I was taught that as a little kid, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. Sure. And sure. what I instead kind of um, in, was empowered by is saying what is right now. Okay. It is painful to wake up every day and not be able to walk properly. It is painful that I, my hands were completely frozen shut. Right. Like I could never do this. Like holding a pen. I could never hold a pen like this. I had to memorize mm. what clients said to me for three years straight. And That's notes. a skill in of Is itself. It, I mean, that, that I couldn't even hold a pen. Yeah. Like this, it doesn't even hurt. Like, I can't even believe it. It's crazy. Um, I remember saying to one of my bosses, it would be astonishing if I ever went through a day without pain. Like if, if that ever happens to me someday, I'll know I'm healed. But I, I think that that step of heightened awareness and acceptance of like, okay, this is what's happening today. Can I um, live with what is? I'm trying to deal with that right now with COVID. Like, I mean, sure. I don't have COVID right now, but I'm trying, <coughs> excuse me, now I cough, right? <coughs> Everybody on your listener is going to be like, oh my God, uh, coughing. now we have to panic when somebody coughs. Sure. Um, but we're saying to us, can I accept what's happening? Mm. And okay, 
all right, what is the truth? Like, uh, I'm a huge believer in truth and love. And I love that you were talking the other day about safety, love and health. Okay, I adore you. Um, That's the first step. And then how do I rise? Mm. Like, given this situation, I mean, how do you feel about that, Alex, with yourself? I mean, do you, is it the acceptance and then the rising? Oh, it's the acceptance. It's the fight. So when I do get really sick, um, sometimes it leads to a hospitalization. I think I haven't been hospitalized in a few years, actually. So I've been working on it. I finally, I finally listened to my doctors. Um, so it's that leaving the hospital feeling that says I'm never going to be in that again. And then, yeah, there's some spurts. Yeah, I had 103 fever last week, but I worked through it. And I knew that I was going to be because my stomach had this insane issue. I don't even know what we don't really know. It wasn't COVID because I tested negative for it. But like. Good for I you. was. I'm glad I went through that because it was like, well, I'm not going to do that ever again. So, I just rise up, and uh, I'm sure you might have felt this. Like every week, it's like, wow, last week I might have felt something, but now I don't. How cool is that? Like you can just escape something within a week, which I was able to do. Um, Good for but, you. But for for you, what I also thought was interesting because we have a lot of similarities. I have one kidney, so I have to protect my kidney. Oh, 100%. But what also was interesting to me is that uh, you talk about the kidney disease, you talk about the arthritis, but you also almost drowned, which I'm like fascinated that, look at that, how much of a survivor she was even from a young age, right? Yeah, so um, I that explains why I'm afraid of the ocean uh, to this day. Uh, although I was in the British Virgin Islands last spring and I was not afraid there, which is wow. an improvement for me. Um, but the water is crystal clear there and I could mm. see way down and it just felt safer. Um, it wasn't so, you know, deep and dark, but um, yes, I was, it was the most amazing thing. I was um, body surfing, you know, with a boogie board as well. Um, when I was in my twenties in San Diego, I was with a, my boyfriend at the time who was an expert in the water. He was a windsurfing coach um, and teacher in Mission Bay in San Diego. And we went out there and all of a sudden he wasn't there. I was all alone. I was pulled mm-hmm. out to sea and I, I was just completely without my board in the middle mm-hmm. of the ocean. I thought I was going to drown. I was out there forever. It felt that hour I was out there alone felt like 10 hours, you know, every moment I could oh. hear my breathing and the waves were so strong on either side of me. I couldn't tell which way the, uh, the shore was. So I didn't Did even you- know I'm a good swimmer. I didn't ever palpitating. Like, did you feel like the heart beating? Yeah, I thought this is it. Um, And then uh, I tell the story in my book, how all of a sudden this little boy came out of the ocean. Like he literally appeared in front of me. He didn't have a wetsuit on, which is unusual in the Pacific ocean. It's freezing cold. He handed me my boogie board and said, here you go. Wow. And then I swear to God, he vanished. I believe it was an angel. I have never seen, I never saw him again. He saved my life that, little person. Um, and I just thank God I'm alive. And, and I also feel like in, in for you as well here today, here we are, um, and, you know, recording this and it's just a wonderful moment to have appreciation. We're here for a reason, right? Yep. And I believe to spread, um, inspiration, you know, inspiration and healing to everyone I meet is my, is my goal. And I, I care usually about don't, I, I usually don't talk about how similar I feel to someone because I want it to be on them. But what the way you describe that in first grade, I also had an experience. I swear to God, my, my little wing. So I was, um, 
four pounds, nine ounces when I was born. Very tiny. Tiny, yeah. And then, so because I really couldn't eat at a very early age, even in first, second grade, I was still very thin to the point where one of my floaties when I was in the water fell off. I go down and my swim teacher who actually passed away last year and this brought back a flood of emotions um, saved me. Like he came over, he grabbed me up and I believe it's because of him as well that I was, I'm able to be here today amongst other different things. But that was one of the big moments that I remember overcoming. And it's still, I, I've, I've gotten used to the water now. I actually love swimming. Um, But you know, that was a, that was a trauma in and of itself. So there there was that. Um, But I've got to ask because sometimes when like my thing is very visible, one leg, whatever that that's cool. Um, But when, when it's not visible and people start asking you, Megan, like they did, what's wrong? Why can't you do this? Why can't, how'd that make you feel? And how did you overcome those feelings of like, why are they talking to me like that? Why can't they understand it? Well, at first I lied. So um, in a corporate setting, you know, people would say, why are you limping? Like people noticed Mm. at work and I work at a fortune 500 company. At first, Alex, I didn't want to appear weak. So I said, it's a tennis injury. And everybody knew I was a tennis star when I was a little kid. And through, you know, I went to Cornell on it, you know, because I could play tennis. I mean, one of the reasons, yeah, I'm a good tennis or I used to be a good tennis player until I got rheumatoid arthritis. But, um, you know, and I couldn't hold a racket for 10 years. I mean, literally not even hold the racket, um, which is so devastating to anybody who's good at something. But um, I used to lie. I used to say, oh, it's a tennis injury. And I used to feel like it was one of those lies that was okay. Like, I don't lie. I mean, it's one of my, mm-hmm. tr- you know, truth is I have a tattoo on my shoulder in Sanskrit that says truth. Um but for some reason, I just felt that the sadness, I had this deep sadness in me that isn't it amazing that I'm so good at business. I'm so good at my job. And I somehow have this blind spot around my health. Mm. It just seemed so devastating that I couldn't figure that out. You know, how is it that I can um, close these enormous business deals that I can do phenomenally for the clients who I help with their wealth management, investment planning, and all of these terrific things. And I show up a hundred percent and I just execute with excellence. And how is it that when it comes to my personal life, particularly my health, I'm doomed, like, and not only doomed, but I can't catch the falling knife. Right. And so I would lie. And so I was like, oh, you know, it's, it's a tennis injury. And so everybody's like, wow, that tennis injury is really lasting a long time. And it yeah. wasn't that I couldn't walk. I just was limping. Right. So I wouldn't make my way. But it got to the point that I thought about having a handicap placard for my car because I couldn't really walk that well. And I, you know, had colleagues would say, do you want to go for lunch? And it would be across the street. And I'd say, oh, you know, I don't know if mm-hmm. I can really get over there. Get sure. over there. Um, and, but what I started to do, um, Alex, that really changed things is I started to be honest about it. And that's one of I your started, spokes on the wheel, right? That is one of the spokes on the speak wheel. Speak your truth. I started, do you realize there's 80 million people in the United States that have a uh, autoimmune disease? And I didn't, and uh, many, yes, I read that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like many autoimmune diseases are behind the scenes issues that mm. with the naked eye, you may not know it could be MS. It could be lupus. Um, you know, Selena Gomez has lupus, right? Right. Who would know, right? right? You wouldn't know she had a kidney transplant. 
Um, there are so many people that suffer that I started to just take comfort in the fact that maybe Megan, if you started to explain your trouble and started to share your truth and, you know, I figured I can't say a word until I fix myself. Megan, that actually started with this, with the drowning incident, right? Cause then you started to be open yeah. with your boyfriend and said, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Right. And, um, and then when I was married, I was afraid of the water. And I told him like, I'm a, you know, after I got my sailing certification, I'm like, honestly, I'm terrified of the water. Mm. And he was like, why do you say something? I mean, I, for all the, you know, I was always trying to like, just be the person other people wanted to me to be, you know, I gotta I say one of your themes, you is feel like art- you're not going to be accepted. You know, one of your things is artificial. I noticed that term used a lot in many of your chapters. How important is it for us to recognize the authentic versus the artificial? I feel like you hammered that down a lot during in the book. Oh my gosh, it's so healing to just understand that people will love you for who you are right now. Mm. I always felt like I had to perform. I had to be perfect. I had, you know, maybe people wouldn't love me if they knew I had this debilitating illness behind the scenes. But what I realized is the more I shared Alex with people about my, my journey, the more you'd be shocked. I I speak all over the United States. Well, when it's like not COVID, Um, you know, I I gave a presentation for uh, Merrill Lynch in Portland, Oregon for a few hundred people. I was speaking in LA right before Christmas. People come up to me by the hundreds And are like, oh my God, thank God you said something because I've been suffering behind the scenes or I'm a single mom too, which I'm a single mom. Um, Or, you know, I have teen daughters that struggle with depression or you name it, anything I share with them, they'll say something because I've been vulnerable. Right. I didn't realize that was a thing. Like that if you share something about you, which you are a master at. Um, that other people will be like, oh, this gives me permission to understand that I can be accepted for who I am, that that where I'm at right now is okay. I don't even mm-hmm. need to rise to be loved. No, and and uh, and you also don't need to feel like you're a compartmentalized person. What I mean by that is, I feel like we are all literally put in the boxes that they talk about, right? Like, oh, he's yeah. disabled, he's in that box. She's got this, she's in that. No. In fact, don't let anybody tell you not to believe what you want to believe. Uh, you have to live that out yourself. And I just think that you have overcome, I'm sure, a lot of peer pressure, a lot of like fear. As you say, what, what are they going to say about me and all this? And you've just lived it and you've done it. Um, and actually, one of the things that intrigues me is the way you got shifted away from the Diet Cokes. Um, because this is big. No, I, I think because uh, I've started to shift away from iced coffee, which I would have like every few hours. Literally, I just was a fiend for it. But when I go back to water, you're guess, a New Yorker. Uh, yeah. And the coffee's good. The Starbucks is good. But water, when I shift to water, there's actually not only a physical, but an emotional feeling like I'm taking care of myself. So when you made that shift, did you start to feel like you were taking care of yourself? And I think that part oh, of your story can inspire others to do the same. Exactly. I have a whole chapter in my book on hydration. And I will tell you, because I know in corporate America, what people do, they start the day with their coffee because that jacks them up because they're tired and they're exhausted because they stayed up all, you know, watching their Netflix. I'm totally, um, you know, somebody who after, you know, this conversation, probably this weekend, you know, will find me watching my favorite series. 
but um, it's it, it is okay in little bits. But there are you know people who try to you know escape from their life and stay up late and binge watch seven episodes of name it you know whatever it is. For me, it's so a dating have, app. To be honest, I, mean, I, that's my thing. I know, right? It's COVID. Um, you know exactly. Um, we all have permission to like get by here, um, but what we do to get by a lot is coffee in the morning, and then I would have the diet coke at lunch, and then I'd have the wine after uh, happy or starting like five or six at night, and I drink about half a bottle of wine a night. This is back when I was super sick, mm-hmm. and what I was basically doing is helping myself rise in the morning so I could deliver the level of excellence and attention that I needed to give my work, and then I would be so jacked up like, you know, you mm-hmm. on the coffees, that there's no way to bring yourself down at night, you know, effectively other, I mean, there's several ways, but for me, it was, you know, I live in wine country. I'm in California. Sure. Everybody else has their wine. Napa Valley, right? I think I'll just go ahead and, you know, have my wine. And I used to be married at the time. And so we'd share a bottle of wine every night. And I didn't, I thought at first, oh, we'll just do this. We just moved here. It's in Napa Valley, Sonoma County. Exactly. Yeah. They're literally yeah. an hour. I'm going there tomorrow, actually, not yeah. to wine taste, but just to have fun in the um you Sonoma's open. So you can go sure. get takeout, you know, walk up to the your favorite restaurant, get takeout and go sit in the park. That's what I'm gonna do well, with my daughter. You just you just mentioned your ex um ex husband, I guess I could say that yeah. now. Um you said that he started to really distance himself. Do you yeah. think the fact that you were jacking yourself up was part of that reasoning he distanced because he saw you really bring all this stuff into your body and he thought, why are you doing this? Or what was his reasoning? Or what- Oh, no, his, he was doing the same thing. Um, I think that what happened a lot is, um, you know, I mean, there's I, I truly believe with relationships, there's two sides to every story. Yeah. And so I own my half, you know, of everything that went wrong um, between him and me. But I think that distance is created when you don't own your truth. So for me, I thought I want to be, you know, I was thinking in my mind, I don't want to be the wife that is disabled. I don't want to be the person that is struggling to open my hands. I don't want to be the person that struggles when I wake up every morning just to even walk to the bathroom. I want to be this cute, adorable person that he married. The fly fishing girl that used to do that. And we used to jog eight miles, you know, on a date. We'd jog four miles in at Point Reyes Seashore, jog four miles back and then go to dinner and get our clams um, and just have a wonderful time at the bar. Um, I wanted to be that girl again. And what I did is hide it. So he'd say, how are you doing this morning, honey? And I'd be like, oh, fine. But I was a little, just a little curt because I was in so much pain, what would have been better? Like, Oh, sweetie, I'm just in so much pain this morning, but I love you. That would have been better. I was more like, leave me alone. I'm fine. You know, and quiet. And he was, you know, that causes distance. And he'd be like, Oh shit, she's in a bad mood. You know, do you see how it gets so bad? But I know that also you started to kind of get, I would hate to say, um, resentment, but you started to feel like, why is he able to sleep at night? Well, and I can't, and I've got to take care of the kids. So (laughs) But but how did you overcome that? Yeah. So, um, you know, our distance became so great that we got divorced, um, as as people can read in my book. And so I can't say I overcame it. I I think that what happened is the more I started to own my truth, you know, and and really work on myself, like 
this is what I'm going through. This is what's helping me. It's helping me. You know, I started to be more honest. Mm -hmm. As soon as I started to be more honest, I realized that we weren't the same people. The, mm. As soon as I started to identify what my values were, my, my highest values are love and truth. Mm. Um, I started to say my truth all the time. He wasn't used to that person. Because <laughs> I guess it included I, truth about him. <laughs> I, I wasn't that person when he married me. I was just mischievous, like mm. I told you. And so, Alex, I think, um, you know, as we grow up, like our goal, or at least my goal, is to always be myself. That's what I love mm. about you. Like, I see you as like a super authentic person. And I think, you know, your listeners as well appreciate that about you or, or just about all of us. Mm -hmm. We're trying to be the most we we can be because if we aren't, the truth comes out. Yeah. Yep. Well, for Eventually. me, just, it's been a weird quarantine. I mean, I just, I broke, I, I feel weird breaking off something amidst quarantine, but I did. And uh, she and I were great. But again, there were things that I knew were going to continue. And I just started speaking about that. I said, I don't know if this can be. And, you know, then they say, well, we'll make it work. And I just don't know. I, It's like, how can we make it work if we try and try and it does. So, so I had to end it. And I still feel a bit of guilt of that, I guess. But I'm glad I could share that with you and, and now my listeners. Because that was a tough time. And it still is a tough time. How much so do you think that quarantine amplified it? Because sometimes these intense Definitely. experiences can like bring to light truth faster. Well, what happened was I started to promise her, yeah, I'll come back, you know, because I thought this was only like a month thing. So I'm like, I'll come back in a month. That didn't happen because we still were in lockdown. Um, I started to tell her, yeah, I'll come back. Like I really thought I was. And then it got to the point where I just didn't want to answer her calls because she was it just became a little too much for me. And I just said, I don't know if I can even go back after quarantine now. Um, so that was that. Unfortunately, we didn't really have the closure because I thought if I even started talking to her again, she'd try and will me back in. And I was saying, I have to be strong about this. And you I, know, I think, I I think that like all of us sitting in what resonates in this moment, it could be timing as well. I mean, this mm -hmm. is such an unusual time I think all of us are grasping for connection and also yep. connection to ourself. And, um, you know, I had a few friends say, and I don't know if you resonate with this is that, you know, part of the time is we're trying to get by mm -hmm. and, and what is the well-being blend, you know, per se body, mind, and spirit that's going to support my highest self. Right. And do I have the extra energy to bring along a, a new relationship? You mean like the wealth being, which you write about a lot in the, in the book. <laughs> oh, I think it's totally connected. So I believe well-being equals wealth being because when you have your well-being right, it attracts money. Mm. Um, it attracts everything you want. It attracts success. As far as body um, wealth aspects, it would be perfect health. It would be Good it'd sleep. be excellent sleep. You'd yep. be eating great food. You'd be relaxing beautifully, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. um, as far as your mind, you would have a calm mind. You would be able to, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, really sink into your truth. You'd be able to tap into your intuition. As far as your spirit goes, it would be um, season the parts of your soul that are vibrant. You'd be polishing them like a diamond. I, you know, I am during starting this to time. Yeah, I'm starting to feel so. I've had nights where I'm on a dating app till 3 a.m. because I need that. I mean, 
I never usually <laughs> used to want to fill the void, but I just have a void, I guess. I don't know. And maybe it's quarantine. Anyway, I've recently changed that. I said, I'm putting my phone away. I don't even look at it once I go to bed, and I sleep better because I'm not worried about someone miles away whether they answer me or not. And I feel, I think I'm taking your <laughs> advice with that, is that um, I need to take care of myself first. Yeah. Why should I really care that someone miles away from me wants to talk or doesn't want to talk? I shouldn't, right? So I've been working on that. But maybe you've felt the same difficulty, I don't know, during this time. You know, um, actually, I'm not on dating apps, but I'm very like spiritual. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm more in the mode of I need to keep my energy at a frequency that would where like attracts like. Mm. Okay, you got me. So <laughs> what? You got me? I don't know. Yeah. You paused there, so I wasn't sure what happened, but okay. Yeah, no. So I'm thinking like attracts like. So how can I be my best self? Mm. You know, and I just believe I'll be cared for. You know, if I've been cured of the litany of diseases mm. that I listed, if I was pulled from the ocean, yeah, you know, and didn't drown. If I'm sitting here with you tonight and I haven't caught COVID yet, and I am a high risk person, like I, like you, I do not want to catch it because of the kidney issues. Um, it's like I have one kidney; both my kidneys operate at like half oh. function. And you are um, not on dialysis, or are you on dialysis? No, 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 no. Wow, yeah, thank that's God. Great. No, my, yeah, my um, creatinine levels are like one point four. Wow. So that's not amazing. bad, not terrible. By the way, I want to show you, I have the book here and I love the design of this. Hold on one second. Thank you, hon. This, this is, is, this is such a cool cover. Yeah. But when I looked in the, into the spokes of the wheel, I thought to myself, okay, this is your spoke. This is what you went through. So are the wheels different for everybody? Well, basically there's a structure. Anybody who's listening can go look at it. It's on meganmcneely.com and you can see the, it, there's a image of what I call a well-being wheel. It's six spokes for body, six spokes for mind and six spokes for spirit. And it, it is the only image I've ever seen that I believe encapsulates what total well-being looks like. Mm. Now, these are universal spokes. So like you could look at it, Alex, and go, I, I think you'd look at it and go, I agree. You know, you have to eat well, sleep well, exercise, relax, um, tap into your truth. You know, I mean, these are basic things I think that most people can agree on. I've never had anybody say they disagree with me on the 18, just broad strokes. But the key and like secret sauce to my work is that everything needs to be customized for you because mm -hmm. for you, you know, getting eight hours, how many hours of sleep do you need in it? I would love Obviously, to get eight. When you're on a data dating app, you're not, not paying attention to that, but what eight hours, eight hours. I would love to get okay. eight hours. Great. I just haven't. So like for you, Alex, eight might be ideal for me. I really need nine. I do not know why, but it's like me at my ideal is if I get nine hours of sleep, everybody's different. So what I teach people is that you just have to customize each of those spokes for you. Mm -hmm. So another great example is exercise. So for me, I love jogging. But for you, you could be rollerblading all over New York. Um, everybody's enlivening exercise is customized for them. And so I teach that the customization is so key because it's you. Yeah. And, you know, what works for you is different than what might work for somebody in South Carolina tonight or whatever. So um, 
Maybe We're all gotta, different places. I, I got to yeah. tell you, you actually made the dinner table conversation with my family, believe it or not. Yay. Because um, I started reading this book literally right in front of my, you know, I'm doing this, I'm prepping. And it didn't feel like a work thing. Like I didn't feel like I was preparing for it in that way. I, I was enjoying reading your, your book and it's inspired a lot over the last week, believe it or not. Um, oh, good. What else but, have you implemented? Well, I want to, and I haven't done it yet, but I thought of putting on the fridge, hey, did you set time for a relaxation time in your schedule? I never heard of this idea until I read your book, Megan, the idea of setting time aside to actually relax, like consciously doing it. That is that is important, and I, I want to start doing that. Kind of said, well, why don't we start making logs of what we're drinking? Are we drinking the right stuff? Are we eating the right stuff? Are we... So those are those are a couple of things. Um, Heredotus, you you quoted Heredotus in your book, the Greek uh, historian. I did a whole podcast on it for twenty minutes because I was like, I love that quote. We need to relax, or we're going to become unstable. We're kind of going to go manic if we don't relax. And so I just I started researching. I'm like, this guy. I was meant to find this guy, and so thank you for. I'm so glad. Yeah. That's that. That is a fantastic quote. You know, of all, what's really neat about the book is I wrote it for someone flying from New York to San Francisco or New York to LA. It, mm. it you could read the entire thing in six hours, and I, it has yeah, it's like short. I mean, and I'm used to dealing with senior executives. That's my target market at work, mm. and I interviewed 18 CEOs that embody each of the spokes really well. And, you know, the person for the relaxed spoke, it took me forever to find because that type of person is a unicorn. Somebody who's very good at what they do. They're very good at business. That type of person does not normally relax well. It's like an A-type personality. It takes them forever to wind down. It literally took me for, I wrote that chapter. My book was due February 14th last year. I was literally writing that chapter the week before it was wow. due. And um, I, the, the executive I interviewed is the incredible entrepreneur, Yannick Silver, who's from the East Coast. Um, he's the CEO. Of okay. And he's one, one of the guys. I have to say this, I'll yeah. say this on my pod. We'll talk off the air. I would love to have him on my podcast because. Oh, he's amazing. He, he seems he's, really cool. He did what? Yeah, he's, he race car in a Speedo or something like that. So I mean, he did, <laughs> yes, he did he, all that stuff. He broke 200 miles an hour. And, and he's going to be on with Speedo. Richard Branson, which is going to be pretty cool in and of itself. Yeah. So. We were actually with Richard, um, me and Yannick, um, in, on Necker Island last year in wow. April. Yeah. Richard's an incredible entrepreneur as well. But Yannick's a special person. You should definitely have him on. We can make that happen. Megan, I've got a, um, I, I want to talk about the excess, exceptional uh executive in a minute because I love that idea and I want people who may follow you but may not know where to catch these interviews. Uh, I want to tell us where we can. Uh, But the other thing that you have inspired me to say is before I want to do anything, I now say I have the ability to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't just say I'm going to do it. I'm going to say thank God I have the ability to because when you recognize you have the ability, like you recognize you had the ability to go back to Taekwondo. You had the ability to overcome, to use your hands again. You you knew you had the ability, and now you're inspiring me to say, you know what, I have that ability too. Um, and I'm saying it more, and I feel very empowered, so thank you for that. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. I I don't know the limits of our mind. I mean, I was told I would never get better by 
you know, the, the lead doctors, um, you know, of the de, you know, departments at UCSF or Cal Pacific Medical Center. Um, and even they were surprised that I no longer had any signs of the disease, you know, mm-hmm. the diseases I was um, diagnosed with. Um, I, I'm not a doctor. Um, I cannot predict what any going to happen to other people. But I do think that there's this untapped um, thing about the power of your mind. Um, yeah. You have to be careful what people tell you because you can embody it and and believe it. Um, someone told me when my, um, I have an intellectually disabled daughter. Someone told me when she was little, she'll never read. I have a video of her, mm-hmm. you know, on my Facebook page um, doing a 26 well, no, excuse me, 16 line Shakespeare monologue by memory. So she can not only read, she is uh, exceptional mm. at theater. And so I am so glad I didn't like listen to that. You know, I'm so glad I just kept on with my belief in what mm. she's capable of because she's loves to read. She's reading right now, as a matter of fact, in her Thank law. You. I told her, Aww. you know. Yeah. Are, are your kids in, in the charter school type? Or are they public school? No, Where did they're in public them? school. Yeah. Okay. How's that whole thing been during quarantine, by the way? <laughs> well, they, they, you know, we're here in California. So outside sure. San Francisco, I live in the East Bay. And, you know, we were one of the first uh, counties here to be in shelter in place. And they did not go back to school. We, they start August 11th. And we do not know. I While we're having this conversation, I got an email from the superintendent of schools. So I have no idea what the plan is, but there's e- either one of three things. They're either going back to school full-time, going back part-time or going to be, sh- you know, sheltered in place during mm. remote learning. I'm just thankful we're in a good school district and, you know, Madeline has an IEP, which is really important yeah. and supportive of her. And I just, um, I don't know, Alex, I'm, I mean, we're living through this for a reason. I'm yes. trying to think to myself, okay, all right, if this is for me, and if, if it's true that nothing's happening to me, everything's happening for me, then how is it that I'm up leveling? Hmm. I, I would have to say I, I'm, I'm probably softer with myself. Hmm. I used to be pretty much like on the move. I have a friend who said, you know, it's so great, Megan, about COVID is that you always call me when you're like actually standing still, as opposed to, I used to call her when I was on my way to Starbucks commuting to work, you know, Mm -hmm. on the way to a client appointment, I was always in the car. And she said, for the first time, I'm actually always speaking to you while you're out in your backyard. Megan, I, I I am feeling this because I always am on the go to the point where, yeah, I do still neglect my health sometimes. And that's, this whole thing's developed habits for me that I never really thought, like even work habits. I'm literally at this computer working. And now when I go back to the office, that's what I'm working on. It's about maintaining what you do in the home back in your environment, right? Like how do you adapt to what you do here into that environment where there are more people, where there are more distractions? I think God's telling us, hey, we can zone out all of that and do what we need to, even in an environment like a workspace, like Wall Street, like what, you you know, Fortune 500 company. Megan, on that note, uh, it sounds like you're still writing. Are you writing a lot? during COVID on your website? You are. Well, you know what? I'm kind of being open right now. I had a lot of public speaking um, situations. Uh, There's, there's 18 executives in the book and I was planning on going to many of their companies. Um, You know, I had my 
a book launch at LinkedIn and I work for a major firm as well. And we're going to do all sorts of public speaking and it just didn't happen, you know, for 2020. So here we are um, because there's no live speaking events. I don't know if you can like gather from my vibe. Well, you met me when I was live in New York um, in that press room, but I like a stage. Like I like speaking. I don't, you know, I'm just sort of in this contemplative moment where I'm trying to listen to my intuition, which is a chapter in my book too. Like, how do we tap into what I'm meant to do next? Mm. Like this is calling something from me. I'm not sure what it is yet. And I actually, for the first time ever, just said to myself, it's okay that you don't know, Megan. You Mm. don't have to be an expert on the future. What if you just listen to what, where, where's the energy? And Mm. right now the energy is really in a few business deals I'm doing for my wealth management business, some client issues that I'm working on that are so exciting. Um, And I'm kind of just moving over there. I'm here. This, you know, being on your show is like the highlight of my week. I'm so excited about this. This is amazing. I, I wanted to be on, as you know, because I, I wrote you from the moment I met you um, and begged you literally um, uh, to be on this. But, um, you know, I'm going where the energy is. And Great. I've just been encouraging people who I speak to. What if we did that? Mm. You know, what if we, you know, follow the energy? I think it would help our well-being because we need all the help we can get right now, don't you think? Megan, I wanted to talk to you about that because I think, unfor- well, not unfortunately, I'm trying to stay positive, but I I think on a longer, broader spectrum too, like I'm worried that people are going from they don't know what they want to do right now to they want to completely give up. So your story tonight, please just give us some hope. Give people that really maybe losing their will during this to say, no, yeah. don't give up. Don't lose your will. We got this. Right. Oh, so yes, I, you know, went back and interviewed all the execs in my book and the founders, because I thought, you know, maybe they could just give us some advice. You know, these are people that I look up to. And, you know, I mean, I try to look up to myself, but you know, we can't see our own goodness when we're in the middle of a crisis. I feel like it's a shitstorm, right? You know, whatever's Mm -hmm. going on. But um, I went back and they're all doing one of three things. And I would tell your listeners the same thing. The first thing is protect, protect the asset. Okay. The asset is your well-being. If you don't protect that asset and you know, well, you know, this as well as I do, you're going to be in the hospital or have 103 temperature. So number one, protect the asset. Number two, um, yes, it is a shit storm. Yes. You're going to have to pivot. Yes. You may not even identify with what you used to do because Mm. everything's up in the air. But where is the service-minded opportunity? There is something that you offer. I always tell my daughters, look, you know, you have your talents like this, your talents and and your um, strengths. And then you have, there's what the world needs. And Mm -hmm. the the blend between the two Mm -hmm. is where the power is. It's like right in the middle. So your talents and your, you know, your power and then what the world needs. So we may have to like reevaluate that given COVID. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, what are my talents? I know a lot about well-being. So maybe I can serve your audience here who's listening yeah. to this, who are like, oh my God, I've never even heard of somebody who like got better from an autoimmune disease. That's like not even, is that even possible? I've had so many people write me. I didn't even know that. I'm not a doctor, but I can just speak for myself um, that that all sorts of weird things mm-hmm. are possible. Um, 
So number one, protect the asset. Number two, you know, where's the opportunity? You know, mm-hmm. I call it the service-minded opportunity, Alex, because if we're not being of service, what what is the point? Especially you know, during this me- time, there's there's so much more exactly. that I've been doing that I've never done. So a little background on this podcast. It was always hard news. And I hear, I got a new conservative Christian talk radio as a producer. Then I thought, my goodness, my generation isn't hearing what the other side is saying. They don't want to hear what the other side is saying. So then I started this podcast and said, you know what? Let's talk about the unsaid. Let's talk about it. Let's broach it. Let's say, uh, why are only certain videos of clashes between cops and protests being shown? Why aren't we seeing the rioters? Why, I'm, you know, why aren't we holding the rioters accountable? Why can't we do that as a society? Anyway, that's the kind of thing I'm at. I'm at a mode where I just want to see the other side be told so we can get a better picture, a bigger picture of this. And now instead of well, doing hard news, I'm doing stories like this. I'm doing more integrative content that I don't know. I, I'm a kid that want to do play-by-play as a baseball guy. That was my thing and still is. And yet... <laughs> God's put me in a different direction, I think. Well, I, know, and I love that because like what you're doing is you're saying, okay, what is and how can I serve? Two mm-hmm. things. So that's really important. So part of well-being is, is understanding what is the reality right now. So you could have this whole time just kept on with your baseball thing and just keep talking about it. And, you know, it may not, it may fall on deaf ears until- Or hard news, which I was like really passionate about, like doing that yeah. and that was it. But I need- what we're doing is we're losing dialogue and I wanted the dialogue back and I want to bring it there back you here. Go. And, and, you know, having, you know, open an open heart, you know, I think is so important in this moment, you know, because that openness and lack of, you know, judgmentality, you know, um, I, I think is, is so important. And so that, that open heart has always carried me, mm. you know, to, to see what, what is possible, what is, what is happening and how can I serve? Mm. And so, and then the third thing is joy. So I talked about protect the asset, service-minded opportunity. Third is joy. What I found most people were doing is trying to find a moment of joy. Like I'm not talking a party joy, Alex. I, I mean, let's be serious. You know, a lot of us are, you know, on our own, we're home alone, you know, or like with limited people. Um, I'm, I'm not talking to, you know, a big barbecue, you know, I'm necessarily You're not even talking about. outside dining right now. I'm not I even love. talking about that. Yeah, no, I heard there's like problems with outside dining in New York with the rats. Um, I what we're talking about is literally can we find a moment of joy? I sat in my hammock the other night and took a picture of it and posted on social media. I, I just for a moment saw the sunset and I thought, oh, there's a moment. I'm trying to be more aware of just you know, I'm trying I know it's manipulative. I'm aware. Yeah. I'm trying to find divine moments in the middle of it. I'm trying to thank God, you know, that I am still here and please show me a sign that this isn't just the end. You know, I, I mean, I didn't live through all this Megan, to I go think, down in COVID. Well, and that's a thing. Why would we spend our life and why would my parents, uh, well, how do I say this? Well, first of all, why would I go through all this just to say, well, COVID's going to end me? Like, why would I do that? Right. Secondly, it's like, okay, well, why would I put my family in danger and also say, like, here's how I thought. The way I was thinking was one bad incident, one overcrowding, one thing could lead, lead to COVID. And I still believe that. That's why I don't do the outdoor dining. 
Um, cause I see that stuff. It's getting, it's too crowded for me and I'm 28 years old. I should be out and about, but I just think, <laughs> and to be honest with you, your podcast had like woke me up and said, Oh yeah, I really can't go grab a drink because I should be home getting ready to do this podcast. And see, I saved course, you. You did. And the storm <laughs> happened. So it was that. And it's like, now I have a reason to not linger in the storm. Even I have to go home and be safe and do this. So this right. podcast was scheduled for a myriad of reasons. I, <laughs> I realized. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that, you know, part of us just, you know, wants to pretend that it's normal. And mm-hmm. there's another part, especially people who have health issues. You know, I have an, and I, I, I don't even care. I have an N95 mask on when I step foot Good. out of the house because we have all these leftover masks. You know, some of us have like five old ones from the fires last year here in California. So I always wear it when I go out. I'm not shy. I'm like, you know, and I just have a purpose. Mm. And I'm here to inspire people. I mean, even if it's one person, even if it's just you, Alex. (laughs) Which it has inspired me to live better. It's just you and me here. (laughs) Well, and one other thing about your journey, because I noticed that you are so proud that you can move your hands. And yeah. um, how many of us take that for granted? You know, like Jesus. how many of us? So um, meditation, let's let's wrap up with that, because yeah. honestly, just talking to you, I felt calmness in my soul. I don't know how it happened. It just I felt very calm and excited at the same time. Is that possible? I guess it is. Of course. Um, but when I used to do meditation, I did that a lot after my first breakup, which was a couple of years ago when I was really anxious and I was like, I found a meditation class, a meditation meetup. We did the walking meditation. I like that. I I had never, and maybe you felt this with your hands, but I had never appreciated my leg, my one leg, more than just watching it move slowly. It's like, here's this beautiful leg, and I can move it one step at a time and not worry about whether I have to miss a subway or catch a subway or something like that. It was just, I'm watching its motion, and I'm like, that is that is powerful in and of itself. And so I'm sure with you, the meditation of your hands, do you still, I don't know, do you meditate? Do you like still honor that you can use your hands more so than maybe someone else? Yeah. And I mean, my feet used to hurt so much too, too but too. Um, I think the walking meditation to your point, if anybody who's listening has trouble sitting still, which I do, I am like, you know, this kind of a personality. I love moving around. I, mm-hmm. even when I have conference calls, I kind of move like you move. You're like a I mover. Do. Yeah. You move. And so, um, if you're that kind of person, walking meditation can be really good. Cause you could just pace back and forth and just, just watch you know, just be observant. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to do anything. This, I, my number one primary source, and I explained it in the book is meditation. I lay oh, in my yeah, bed and breathe. Yep. Yep. I meditate. Like I love it. I don't, no one ever, you know, told me that word. I just made it up because I was you in so much pain. That. I couldn't, I couldn't sit up. So yeah. I laid down all the time and I just breathed and my um, friends who are active meditators say there's no way I could possibly be meditating properly because I probably fall asleep. They're right. I do. I don't care. You know, come on people, no judge. Um, and I just breathe deeply and just be thankful. I'm trying to be thankful. I breathe in peace. I breathe out anger. 
you know, or whatever. I just make sure. it up. There's like no right or wrong here. It's just about being there for yourself. Mm. Well, and I was going to say, when I read that part, I was like, that's interesting meditation, but it's also wild <laughs> that you were getting criticized for it. Like you'd think in the Zen community, yeah. they would be very accepting of any kind of meditation, right? Oh, well, I mean, I used to go to, um, you know, Spirit Rock Meditation Center and sit and lay in the back during Jack Cornfield, who was like mm-hmm. such an incredible meditation teacher, lay in the back like I was in the hospital back there. I felt self-conscious. I don't think other people were actually even noticing me, but I had a level of self-conscious like, oh, everybody is sitting but me. Here I am. I'm like, I'm proud. People think I'm weird. I I think we just have to let that go. And again, customize what Mm -hmm. well-being looks like for each of us. Wow, that is a perfect line to not halt the conversation because we're going to continue this again. We worry we will definitely continue this. But exceptional executives writing on COVID, where can people find your work um, exactly? Twitter, give us your handle, give us your Instagram, give us your website. Yes. So my Twitter handle is Megan underscore McNeely, M-E-G-A-N. And then my last name is spelled M-C-N-E-A-L-Y. Instagram, it's at Megan McNeely. Um, I have, you know, Facebook um, public mm-hmm. page, Megan, Megan A. McNeely. And then um, my website is probably the perfect place. It's MeganMcNeely.com. Cool. And you can even do, I made a free assessment for all your listeners. So it's MeganMcNeely.com slash assessment. If people are like, what is she talking about? What is a well-being wheel? How would I know where I'm at with each of the spokes? It takes like 20 minutes, a little cheeky because you know me. Um, and it's fun and they can take a free assessment and get like a PDF with the wheel right on it. And it just ranks all their different spokes. So it's com slash assessment. And they don't have a special yeah. name. It's just the assessment and it's right there. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah. Very cool. All right. I'll, I know. Uh, I will actually link that up in the podcast description. Absolutely. Too, so. Very cool. Exactly. And, it was and, so nice to be here. And, uh, of your followers, because I know you got a following. I know that people are loving this book. I know they love your story. But what's one thing they may not know about you that that you've not revealed to them? One thing that they did not know. I might be the only Reiki master on Wall Street. That is cool. <laughs> it is. And my, dad, my stepdad's a Reiki master. So that's awesome. Uh, yay. I love that. Yeah, I don't know. I One more thing is that I just think that the sky's the limit. You know, I think that, um, you know, I am an executive in a major Fortune 500 firm, and I am also really passionate about well-being. And I wrote a book. It was on the Forbes top 20 list for last year. It just won a 2020 Axiom Business Book Award. You can be many things. You know, I think this is the era of, you know, you're working from home. Who knows? Nobody knows. Go ahead and start your side hustle. I mean, this, that is a side hustle for me. Just if anybody wants to ever connect with me about that, I'd love to, you know, encourage them. Mm. You can be anything you want. Don't define yourself as something, one thing. And again, as I mentioned at the top, don't let anybody tell you, you can't, you know, and that's, that's um, what 2020, I, I don't know if it's what 2020, but it's what I'm gaining um, every day. And I'm just hoping that we can stop with the identity politics because there's still that in existence. And Great. let's just love each other. You know, that's, that's the whole point. So Megan, this thank you so f- for this time. And I'm glad we finally did this. And 
I'm glad I opened the book and read it for a few parts. I'm going to read the final part and uh, have you back for sure. Oh, I'm so honored, Alex. You have a great, great, great day. You too. Thank you. Thank you, Megan, for doing that. That was Megan McNeely. I'm Alex Garrett. We'll talk to you again soon.